This podcast is brought to you by NeuroCreative Studio, the number one provider of one-to-one applied neuroscience coaching and development programs designed to enhance your creativity and effectiveness. Find out more at neurocreative.studio. You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. My thing is helping people understand how our brains work so that we can be better and do better in any area of life that's important to us. So as well as bite-sized brain science, I'll be bringing you interviews and advice from experts and guests who specialize in working with entrepreneurs and leaders to help them explore potential, possibilities, and ways to be more effective. And the best bit? We can start right now. Today, we're talking about chronic illness in the workplace. One such condition is fibromyalgia, which is seen in about 2% of the population. It affects men, women, and children of all ages, races, and economic levels. Around 14,000 people are diagnosed annually. But people with this condition must continue to hold down jobs, sometimes in excruciating pain. My guest, Patty Smith, has been on a 20-year journey to arrive at a diagnosis for her daughter. She tells us how colleagues and employers can best help those who live and work with the condition including some very simple, cost-free considerations that workplaces can make. And we also talk about some of the lifestyle adaptations that have been shown to alleviate symptoms. Now, Patty, there there are a few things that I'd really like to ask you about fibromyalgia, because I know that this is a journey that you've been on for an awfully long time yourself, as you've tried to help your daughter from the time she was very little. So... First, let's let's start with um, the people who are in the same position as you, the people who are caring for, working with um, people who maybe have been diagnosed with fibromyalgia and maybe haven't. What are the things that you think are most important in terms of being supportive in that role? The first and most important thing is being patient. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem with fibromyalgia is that it is very, very upsetting. More for those who are around a fibromyalgic person than for the person itself. Uh, you cannot touch them. You cannot hug them. You cannot talk to them loud or whatever. You cannot uh, switch on a light without, you know, mm. giving a heads up. Hey, I'm switching on the light. And that can at times be very irritating, I'm honest. Yeah. <laughs> Sometimes it's yeah. Really, but you know. Yeah, I can imagine. I mean that that does sound like um especially if you are in a situation where you know, the diagnosis hasn't even happened yet. And I understand from from speaking to you that that can take quite a long time. So you've maybe got somebody who I don't. I mean, describe a little bit to me what what this looks like in a day to day life. Fibromyalgia is is a very nasty condition. Uh, it comes in in uh, uh, a variety of symptoms. There are over hundred, whatever hundred fifty, I believe, and it they come all in clusters. It's not that you have one symptom uh, today, mm-hmm. one another tomorrow. No, they come all together at least five to seven to ten sometimes at, at one time. Mm. And what happens is the major symptoms are chronic pain, 
chronic mm-hmm. fatigue, insomnia, because they don't mm-hmm. sleep for the pain and then they're fatigued. Brain fog, they may have bowel issues. They are hypersensitive, meaning that a little, a very gentle touch, handshake, can give them acute pain. Mm. They're hypersensitive to sounds, to light, to smell, to taste. So even the food must be quite bland at times. And this is really... It's so disempowering because you, mm. you never know how to approach them because today it may be the light and tomorrow it may be the sound in the day. You know, it's like walking on eggs. Yeah. I, I mean, that, that it sounds exhausting for everyone involved. And I'm, I'm just wondering how somebody who has been living with these clusters of symptoms and, you know, you mentioned a handshake there. And as, as we all know, that that is a typical gesture that you come across in business and work, um, in everyday life even. So how, how does somebody maintain a job, maintain a position? How, how do they try and coordinate or, um, I guess, integrate all of this with being a, a an adult that is out there and doing their thing in the world? Well, most of them are high-functioning, meaning that they learn to cope with what they have. Mm. Curiously, just my daughter, she suffered from when she was four and she was diagnosed 20 years after. And as soon as she was fully diagnosed, we started the, the treatment and homemade treatment that helped Mm. but as soon as means that we started after months that she was diagnosed I started studying it but she started implementing it after months because she was reluctant she said yo mom I've lived with this all my life Mm. I don't even know how it is not to have it what do I do when it's gone Mm. You know, mm-hmm. so they learn to cope with this thing. They have this mechanism and they uh, they avoid situations where they can get, uh, you know, stressed or um, they can feel pain. Or they uh, try to work in uh, environments where it is silent. Um, you know, it, it, it is it is quite difficult. It is it is a challenge every day. It's a daily challenge. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, and I, I'm I'm just thinking, you know, I mean, obviously I have kids as well, and I'm just thinking, you know, what must it have been like for you over the course of two decades trying to work out what it is that is happening for your daughter and you know, trying to be supportive, trying to, you know, I guess you're you're probably chasing down leads and trying to find out what's happening. And when did you suspect that it was fibromyalgia? Honestly, it it was our doctor. Uh, our GP, well, in Italy, it's the, the, the home doctor, they call it, who said to me once, hey, have you ever heard of fibromyalgia? And there, something, just a, a, a small little candle lit up in my mm. mind. and said, yes, I've heard of it. Could that be? And there, everything started rolling because my daughter has had uh, lots of tests done throughout the years, but until she was 19, nothing happened. Mm. And then it took also years because it's a very, very long and costly 
process all those tests. They are very expensive and they're not all covered, not at all for fibromyalgia. So you must also be very careful how they are requested because uh, you, you may end up paying the full price for it. So she did MRI, she did uh, blood work for uh, rheumatoid arthritis, she did CAT scan, she, she had um, uh, irritable bowel syndrome, excluded Crohn's excluded, and, and another variety of things. And over the years, I'm a single mother, I had another kid, and I couldn't just afford to, to do all these tests altogether. So mm. it took a long time also for this reason. It's partly my fault, but, you know, <laughs> you do what you have to do and you do what you can. So sometimes you can't. It, it just seems like, you know, um, to get to the age of 19 without, you know, even ha- it seems like you're working by process of elimination. You're trying to rule out what yes. it's not rather than identifying what it is. Yes. And you're from what you've said, I, I understand that that is because it can appear in so many different ways. So would it be fair to say that there are probably a lot of people struggling with this and not knowing what they're struggling with? The biggest frustration is to know that you're in pain, to know that it is not visible on the outside. Hmm. And you start, you know, they start to become boring, even for their peers, for their friends in school. Oh, you're always you have always some pain somewhere. You're mm. always aching. You never come out. You always have this thing. You're quite boring, you know, and that, that is that is frustrating mm. because they know that the pain is real. They're also, you know, when she was very little, so 20, when she was four years, 25 years ago, pretty much, it was not even a, a thing. Fibromyalgia mm. was not, not really known. Mm. And going with a child to a doctor and say, hey, she tells me that when she walks, she feels like nails on her feet. Uh, that was like, okay, it's an excuse. She doesn't mm. want to go to school, which was not the case because she had very much fun in school. She, she, she loved school. But, you know, the first thing they think it's in their head, mm. which on the other hand, it's true because it's the brain that doesn't really receive all the signals in a, in a in a uh, in a correct way. So there is somewhere some interruption, some miscommunication between the uh, the nerves, the t- termin- terminal nerves, and and the brain, mm-hmm. and that that you know it, it's very difficult to believe when you see the person. I mean, they look mm. like normal. Yeah, and I suppose this, what you've just touched on here in terms of um, the people get tired of the, this, the tired of the chronic pain, um, not, not the individual who's got it, but the people around them. And that, that I suppose, can also lead to a sense of isolation um, and, you know, feeling maybe quite hopeless about the, the whole thing. But I, I, I was listening earlier to what you were saying about... Um, brain fog as well being a symptom. And that, again, for people who are in the workplace and trying to um, maintain their their role or fulfill their tasks or whatever, that sounds like it it is pretty, pretty awful to try and contend with on a daily basis. 
Yeah, it's not that they go to a job interview and say, oh, by the way, I have fibromyalgia. Mm -hmm. (laughs) First of all, because not many people know what it is. Mm -hmm. And second-wise, because fibromyalgia can be a very, very disabling. Mm. They will not be able to sit all day on a chair. They need to stand up every now and then. They need to walk because otherwise they get stiff. Mm-hmm. Okay, and they need to to have food and drinks at at demand on demand of their body, and that, that's that's very difficult to cope with when you work. They couldn't, for example, work in a, in a call center. My daughter could never go to a call center. It's the only place where there's always always work. Okay, mm-hmm. she can't have it. Yeah. If she goes to a call center, the sound will be, uh, you know, too much breaking for her. Mm-hmm. It'll be headache all the time, and uh, her hypersensitivity in her ears is is huge. And she ha- she would have to sit all day. Mm. That wouldn't be possible. So it is very difficult. Also, you need they need to to choose the job carefully. Mm-hmm. They need to choose an environment where, for example, there's no dress code. Because mm. they, they have, sometimes they feel the clothes burning on their skin. Mm. And so they are very, very loosely dressed, very casually dressed. Uh, they may they may go to the office in, in a short in winter because they can't mm. keep, you know, the the trousers on their, on their legs. It's, it is... It is very, very uh, uh, tiring also for the person themselves. Mm. I mean, it's horrible. So is is it even possible for an employer to support someone with fibromyalgia? Um, I mean, I I know this is like a, this is a very big question and I'm I'm Mm. not, (laughs) sorry for throwing this at you, you, but what is it that people can do to try and help, um, to try and, create the opportunities for people to you know fulfill their potential anyway even if they are coping with something like fibromyalgia in their lives well as i said at the beginning the the key word is patience mm. they are not faking it so yeah. whatever they tell you you can be assured it is most likely less than they really feel Mm. Because obviously they're also kind of a shame, you know. They got through shame feelings because everybody can sit and work. They can't. Mm. So be patient. Uh, they need to walk. A mm. good idea are, for example, those desks that can uh, lift and, and lower. So that mm. they oh, can the standing stand desks. Up. Yeah. Yeah. So that they can stand up and work standing instead of sitting and alter- alternate the two things. Mm-hmm. Uh, be patient if they are in the kitchen getting something to drink or something mm-hmm. to eat. Sometimes that is not really, you know, <laughs> viable for everyone else. It's because they really need to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, patient. They will get the job done mm-hmm. because when they focus, they can stay focused for a while. 
just don't ask them three things in a row because they will do the first and come back to you for the second. What did you tell me to do? Here, Patty, I'm like that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I feel very like that most days. <laughs> but, <Okay. laughs> that's, the, um, that's the brain fog, the fibro fog. <laughs> well, I don't have that excuse. <laughs> um, but what I was also going to say to you uh, is that I know that um, some of the things that you have had great success with in helping not just your daughter, but other people as well, is in terms of helping them to modify and um, make use of their diet in, to, yes. to help with fibro. Can you tell us a bit about what that means and what that entails? Yes, well, it is, it is believed that uh, one of the main causes of fibromyalgia is a leaky gut syndrome. That means that you need to heal the gut first, first of all. And healing the gut, you can do it only with food. Mm. So uh, there are a, a whole bunch of foods that they cannot have. Such as? Uh, such as, for example, legumes. Such as, for example, nightshades. Nightshades are tomatoes, uh, aubergines, uh, peppers, and, and chili peppers, and that kind of stuff. They cannot have gluten, mm. and they cannot have also rice, even if it's gluten-free. So tell me, is, is that indefinitely, or is that until you heal the gut? It's indefinitely. indefinitely. It is indefinitely. However, honestly, I must say my daughter, after a while that she was on this very strict diet, which is, by the way, not boring at all because you can make lots of nice things with the food mm-hmm. every morning. That's not the problem. The problem is they feel deprived and there that there's a whole uh, uh, brain work behind that you have to do um, so that you can support them in, you know, avoiding mm-hmm. these. But uh, after a while, I was saying, uh, if she has, uh, for example, a pizza or something, the pizza mm-hmm. is and gluten, and nightshade, and whatever you put on it, so uh, cheese and stuff. She will be sick a few hours, Mm -hmm. but then in the morning she will feel fine again. So in time, I'm not saying this is the cure, because I don't know yet. Uh, I just started experimenting with with this method in, uh, in February this year. But so far, everybody uh, who um, took on the, the method is symptom-free. Wow. And Yes. And when they just, you know, they really feel like having a sandwich with normal mm-hmm. bread, you know, mm-hmm. then uh, they will be sick. But they will be sick for a very short time. The day after, they will be fine. This means that somehow modifying your... Um, uh, your habit helps your gut getting resistant and yeah. more, well, not resistant, resilient and yeah. more uh, capable of having also the stuff you shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose it goes then from the, the difference between being consistently sick because you're eating all the wrong things all the wrong time yeah. to actually having a choice and going, you know what, it is worth it to celebrate this occasion or to you know, enjoy that today. I know what I'm going to be facing. There's going to be a window where it'll be awful. And then I will be able to bounce back. 
Is that Absolutely. about right? Absolutely. Mm. And that helps a lot because psychologically, of course, when you know that you will get better, that's, that's a relief. Then you say, okay, I can do it. You mm. know, you won't, you won't have to live in the fear. Oh my God, I will be sick. Oh God. You know, mm. that's, mm. that's not a point anymore. And also, um, when, uh, the, 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 the primary thing is food, obviously, but, um, it will help also, your brain fog, the fibro fog that goes away because that comes primarily from processed food and additives and, you know, coloring, mm. preservatives, stuff. That's, you know, so that, that is, I think, the first thing that, that they notice, that their head is lighter and that they can mm. think. Mm. They still will have, will be a bit forgetful. I mean, we all are. Who, who isn't? But having this... Uh, this cut in 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 um, those foods that are industrial, that are manipulated, ultra refined, etc. That helps a lot. Mm. Patty, just as we start to wrap up here, I know that there are probably a lot of people out there who have either suspected or being diagnosed or um, are working or caring for someone who has a fibro um, is is living with this on a daily basis. Um, if, if there was just one thing that you think that they should look at changing um, in their lifestyle, would it be food? Absolutely. The first thing they should do is read the labels of what they eat and realize what they put in the bodies. Mm. Well, I guess that applies for everyone, but maybe doubly so everyone. for people who are... Who are but it is so important. It is so important. I mean, mm. uh, I was shocked when I came to England. The first time I saw a, a can of baked beans, I said, oh, beans in, in, in tomato sauce. Oh, nice. Then I looked at the ingredients. One third is sugar. <laughs> I thought, okay, mm. not for me. You know? yeah. <laughs> but it's shocking. If you, if you really read the, label, read the labels of your bread, oh, my God. <laughs> it's, I, I, I can't believe what they put in it. <laughs> so... Having said all of that, and I know that the, in this journey that you've been on with your daughter ha, has really, um, I guess, changed so much for both of you um, and the research that you've done over the last two decades to try and find a way to help her. Um, I know that you've got some resources and so on that people can tap into and that people can um, can can join up for. So. Is there somewhere that people should look first to find what it is that you've been doing, what you're up to now, and get more information, basically? Yes. Uh, there is a resource. It is a, a journal where they can record all the ailments that they feel and all the things they eat and drink and stuff so that they can get aware of it. Um, mm. It is a four-week journal. If that is thoroughly uh, completed every day for four weeks, it is a very valid tool to get to a GP, to a physician and say, hey, this is me. Tell mm -hmm. me, could it be fibromyalgia? There is also a list on the website as well of symptoms that if you take five or more, you should really, you know, uh, uh, have, mm -hmm. have a thought about fibro. Uh, the website is uh, www.easyhealthychoice.com mm. and everything is, I think, on the home page, but I will check it out. Fantastic. So 
by the time this podcast will be live, I will have put uh, the uh, the resource for free. Fantastic. Patty, that is wonderful. Guys, I think that, you know, just those two things alone, if you want to check that list of symptoms, if you suspect that you or someone you know might be suffering from fibromyalgia, that will be on the website. And also the journal, which will double as a resource that you can then show your GP and also manage maybe some of your, your lifestyle choices as well. And they are on Easy, healthy choice, singular choice <laughs> dot com. All right, I'll put the link yes, in the thing. Those choices was already taken. <laughs> <laughs> I will put the link in the notes. Patty, that was that has been wonderful. Thank you so much for sharing that with us and um, for doing the work that you do. I do my best. <laughs> it's also for me, you know, because I, I live much easier now. <laughs> wonderful. <laughs> Thank you, Patty. Thank you very much for having me. You're still here? Great. Look, I know there's a lot to choose from out there, so thanks for flying with Ambition Incubator Airlines. And I look forward to seeing you on board again soon. Seriously, though, thank you for tuning in. My guests and I love hearing about what inspires you on the show and what advice has made a difference in your life or work and what you'd like more of. So get in touch. If you want to know about my other work, head over to ambitionincubator.com for details. And don't forget to hit subscribe for more great interviews, advice, and bite-sized brain science every week. 